Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio the largest radio social network in the world. With your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. And good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Trucker Live Open Forum. Tonight is Saturday, April 21st, 2018, and we've got a great show planned for you tonight. I don't have to tell anyone listening tonight there's a lot of controversy going on among drivers. Among the biggest is the ELD enforcement, which started April 1st, and drivers have shown up in Washington uh, protesting the enforcement, and more protests are planned for this summer. And we have the hour of service and the 14-hour clock, which in my opinion is the worst thing that ever happened to HOS. Combine the 14-hour clock with drivers being paid piecework wages and low wages at that, along with the ongoing parking shortage and shippers and receivers eating up their time at the docks, and you've just already had a disaster waiting to happen. And, you know, it it really should be called the anti-safety rule. But to to, uh, to relieve fatigue and stress... Congressman Brian Babin of Texas, Republican out of Texas, introduced H.R. 5417, the Responsible and Effective Standards for Truckers, or for short, the REST Act. And the REST Act requires the Department of Transportation to update hours of service regulations to allow a rest break once per 14-hour duty period for up to three consecutive hours as long as the driver is off-duty and which, in effect, would pause this 14-hour clock. However, drivers would still need to log 10 consecutive hours off-duty before the start of their next work shift. It would also eliminate the existing 30-minute rest break requirement. So there's a lot of questions regarding this bill. Mainly, will it be used to actually pull over and rest, or will drivers use it to preserve their hours while waiting at the dock so they can drive more miles ultimately to make more money as they are paid piecework uh, wages or miles driven. The majority of drivers, as we know, are paid by CPM, cents per mile. So, but, but no topic tonight is more important, really, that I think, than the Denim Amendment, which was once again slipped into a bill, this time the FAA reauthorization bill, to be voted on next week. Uh, also known the Federal Aviation Administration Authorization Act of 1994. The Denim Amendment 
It's an amendment which we've talked about many times, which will basically ensure that motor carriers will not be obligated to pay drivers anything more than their piece work wages, a cents per mile. It's an amendment which has been lobbied hard by the ATA, and it is one of the ATA's number one goals to achieve. It is an amendment which will preempt states' rights, and states' rights is something which we believe so strongly in. Federal law should not preempt state law. And they are targeting states which have had labor laws on the books for decades, protecting employees, protecting the truckers, ensuring that they get paid for all time, including truckers' detention time. Carriers have lost in courts fighting with these states, and, uh, and they've lost. And this is why they lobbied the Congress, the same way they lobbied for ELDs. So when you can't win in court, what do you do? You just lobby Congress. So I want everyone to know and listen. I mean, the, the ATA has tried five times since 2015 to get the Denim Amendment passed. That's five times. They have failed to do so because drivers have called their representatives and told them the repercussions of having such an amendment or provision added. And they've explained what it means to their livelihood and how they would end up the possibility of modernizing the way drivers are currently paid, which is mainly miles-driven or CPM, piecework wages, and their representatives so far have listened and fought to have it removed. So drivers, this time, their attempt is different, though. They waited until the very end to add the Denim Amendment. Once again, this is the sixth time now, they've added it to the FAA reauthorization bill, giving drivers only three days to call in. And Donna, really, we're, uh, we're just down to one day. Really, right? Turn on your phone there. <laughs> oh, okay, get back called in. So really we only have Monday, this coming Monday, Monday, uh, April 23rd. And most representatives don't even realize that this amendment has been slipped in. They do it real tricky, and they won't know unless we, the truckers, call them once again and keep this calling going. Our sources tell us that the ATA is confident that their strategy and plan will be successful this time, and they believe that for three reasons. One, the word won't get out in time to reach drivers so they can make those calls to the representatives. And two, drivers are so consumed with the ELD mandate and enforcement that began April 1st that the Denim Amendment will take a backseat priority. And number three, they believe they've muddled the waters enough telling drivers that this amendment is primarily a meal and rest break preemption uh, designed to relieve drivers so that drivers won't be forced to stop every four or five hours to rest. And this is a complete deception. What they don't tell drivers is that the driver can waive this break, but the employer is still obligated to pay them for it. So I ask everyone listening tonight, is the ATA your voice? Do you think they've lobbied for five times, now the sixth, to get this amendment included because they're looking out for you? And I'll just leave it for there now. There's a lot to discuss tonight. We're going to take a short break and listen for one of our most trusted sponsors. And when we come back, I want to just touch real briefly. Sometimes maybe we forget, well, where, how did this denim amendment come about? Where did it come from? So i like to just cover that just a little bit when we get back. So hang with us. If you'd like to be a part of the show, call in number 347-826-9170. If you'd like to talk with us, press 1 on your keyboard. And that will alert me, so hang with us. A lot to talk tonight. 
and we will be right back. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, and as I said, we've got several things we'd like to talk about, but it is open forum. You're welcome to discuss anything. One of the main things that we feel really important about is the Denim Amendment. Uh, I see a lot of listeners coming in on the line, uh, Texas, Arkansas, Alabama. We have a listener from Ontario, Canada. Thanks for joining us this evening. I just want to touch real briefly. We'll open up the lines here. I'd like to touch real briefly. How did this Denim Amendment come about? I mean, sometimes we forget about that. If you look at the original bill, the uh where is it boy these things are tiny donna i gotta get my glasses on here uh when we look at the federal aviation authorization administration act of 1994 where this bill was first uh put into place i want to just read real briefly here what the original um, bill said and i won't read it all because it would take the entire show but the general rule, it states, except as provided in subparagraph B, a state political subdivision of a state or a political authority of two or more states may not enact or enforce a law regulation or other provision having the force and effect of law related to a price, route, or service of a carrier. That's kind of ad lib. But basically that's what it said. In the beginning, it had everything to do with the deregulation of freight, not preempting state labor laws. So how did the Denim Amendment come about? Well, as you know, when things don't go right for those, uh, they, they, they lobby. They begin to lobby and they take it to Congress. So the ATA, which, uh, which now this is the sixth time they've been trying to slip this thing in, they began lobbying and they found Congressman Jeff Denham of California uh, a Republican, um, and he said, yeah, sure, after all the lobbying and everything, we know what that's all about. Sure, you know, they came along and said that's not what they meant when they wrote the original bill. So uh, Congressman Denham added the Denham Amendment, 
which now it states, it starts off kind of like the old one, but then you'll catch the change. And I'm reading right now the Denim Amendment. A state political subdivision of a state or political authority of two or more states may not enact or enforce a law, regulation, or other provision having the force and effect of law prohibiting employees whose hours of service are subject to regulation by the secretary under section 31502 from working to the full extent permitted or at such times as permitted under such section or imposing any additional obligation on motor carriers if such employees work to the full extent or at such times as permitted under such section including any related activities regulated under part 395 of Title 49 Code of Federal Regulations. So what does that mean? They said, no, wait a second. When they first wrote it, when they first came up with that bill in 94, that's not what they meant. What they meant to say was uh, state labor laws that protects the rights of employees are wrong, and they shouldn't be paid for all time worked. Uh, Donna, anything yeah, well, to add? Well, I, I, we missed a little part in between. They had tried to use that argument in the California um courts that because they have the labor laws out there in Oregon and there's a list of states that you know do protect drivers but when they used the 1994 F4A wording um it it was overruled and they lost uh so then that's when they decided to distort the meaning saying well you know, it it doesn't just mean freight; it means wages also. So, if it get bottom line, if it gets passed, it would um, legally um, relieve carriers from having to pay drivers anything more than their miles driven. And um, at a time, I think you mentioned this when we're trying to modernize wages you know drivers are saying hey i got elds you know it it clocks everything i can get paid and uh it, it would just throw that out the window that's not to say if a company uh wanted to pay for detention time or whatever but the fact that they want it in law so bad so badly um it makes you wonder, you know, why are you fighting so hard not to pay drivers for all time? What what's what's going on? And um I, I think the the scary part is that it was slipped in like you said, um what, like Thursday, Friday? I can't remember. If Thursday or Friday. Right. So really drivers only have two days and and that's why um you had mentioned they feel pretty confident right now that drivers aren't even going to bother to call. And I'll tell you what, th- this is horrible. Um, I can't tell you. I know OIDA is against it. Um, they made a big stink about it when the first time they put the Denim Amendment in, back in 2015, and somebody was telling me they were talking about it on their radio show on Landline Now, and uh, Casey Phillips, I heard, on XM, they were talking about it. So... If drivers don't call Monday, this is going to be 
a done deal, and I don't I don't really know uh, what more we could do. So it's going to have to be an all out flood the lines on Monday. Um, to to didn't you say that half of the representatives didn't even know it was slipped in, so they can't even oppose it? How could they oppose something? There's 200 amendments in that bill. Unless they know it's in there, they're not even going to get on the floor and fight it. No, and that's why that's why I think the ATA is so confident that it's going to be passed now because it was tricky. It, it is what they did. They slipped it in then at the last minute. It's over the weekend when drivers are you know trying to you know catch up on their laundry, their logbooks, trying to catch up on the rest. You know, it, it, it very tricky the way they did it. I mean, basically the Denim Amendment, the ATA has changed the meaning. Uh, on their lobbied denim amendment to mean preempting state labor laws, which again protect the the drivers, the workers. The amendment, I mean, put simply, this amendment will overturn state laws that require workers to be paid for all hours worked. Instead, companies, the motor carriers, would be allowed to only pay drivers for the time they spend driving, despite the fact that drivers are required to spend a great deal of time performing non-driving duties, as we all know, just like you know, pre-trip and maintenance and loading and unloading detention time at the docks. And it would remove state rights, allowing piecework wage employees, including truckers, of course, to take meal and rest breaks. Now, the rest breaks are paid, but not the meal breaks. Drivers can waive these breaks, and you know, they 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 don't have to take them. But and it and you know, if we can get into the ELDs a little bit later, I mean, the denim amendments. Kind of closely related to the ELD mandate, too, when you think about it. I mean, although some drivers believe that the ELD mandate could have a positive effect on all drivers who are currently keeping a legal and accurate logbook, the problem has long been how many hours truckers have given away over the years, as it is common for drivers to log off-duty or sleeper berth while waiting at these docks. And the hope is that they now can record all this time and be adequately compensated through the ELD, but however, if, if the Denim Amendment passes, which they're looking like it is, unless we flood the flood the phone the phone on Monday to our representatives, if it passes legally, carriers would not be obligated to pay drivers for 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 all that time. That's not to say that carriers, like Donna said, couldn't pay drivers for detention time, but would they? And ask yourself, why are they? fighting so hard for this amendment to go through. And like I said before, they have now tried this as a sixth time to get this legislation through. And keep in mind, the amendment applies retroactively. If wiping out worker and truck uh, drivers' existing rights weren't bad enough, this amendment applies retroactively, which means they would therefore wipe out any lawsuit, settlement, and judgments won by truck drivers for employer violations going all the way back to 1994, right, Donna? Yeah. Uh, it, in other words, if things are in court or if they're appealed or waiting or whatever, and let's say it's been in court since, you know, 2015 and uh, the carriers have uh, uh, violated, um, if this passes, all those drivers um, – you know, all those cases get thrown out. So it, it, I'll tell you what. Pretty the, big the, effect. The, the, the deception is it, it, it should really make everybody's blood boil tonight. Um, if you're listening on the Internet and you want to call in and be a part of the show, um, the number is 347-826-9170. If you're already called in and listening, 
um, everybody, you have to press 1 on the keypad after you dial in so that we know you want to be uh, make a, a comment, ask a question, or be a part of the show. So um, I can't see the switchboard. Alan's running the switchboard, so I don't know who's on there. But he says there's, there's a lot of people on there. Yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of... Uh getting all the states up here and everything but I just don't I can't I can't There's get too them many all. of them. Okay. But yeah, let's go. This is open forum. We don't want to sit here and listen to me blab all night and everything. So let's open it up. We'll start with a uh let's see we have a caller from uh Texas and Tennessee. Having the hands up. Uh let me just get them up here. Uh caller from uh, Texas area code 512. Welcome to the show. Good evening. This is Pat Hockaday. <clears throat> Hi, Pat. I know you've been working hard on this also. Well, I think you hit it right on the, the nail on the head. This is retroactive back to 1994. Uh, consider that California Labor Code, and Don is correct, this has been the CTA started fighting this back in uh, 2000 and were unsuccessful in the California court system. A um, little history here might help. Uh, 1994 F4A deregulated the states, their ability to set rates, routes, and services. Okay, right. the, the, uh, the carriers say that if they have to pay these additional wages, it affects their rates. They've got to raise the rate in order to pay the employee. So well, they, well the we went over that. I don't think you were on in the beginning, uh, Pat. No, I was um, Okay. Kind, so, yeah, we kind of went over that. They had it. They took it to yeah, court. And they tried to use that argument, and they lost in court. Okay, go ahead. I just want to. Okay. Um, um, what happened in the year 2000, January 1, 2016, California came out with new labor codes specific to peace workers, section right. 226.2. Um, this requires that peace workers be paid non-production time. In the truck driver's world, this is detention time. Right, okay? right, 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 so, right. Um, uh, if it's retroactive, then these drivers that have a legitimate case that they were not paid non-production time, they lose the ability to bring that case forward. There's a lot of money at stake here. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Um you there? Yeah, I'm here. I got kind of lost my train of thought, but but that's why I was starting at the beginning. But okay, so um, the Florida, you know, the, the Florida, the um, California labor law. I mean, these laws have been on the books for decades, and, and they probably just um, had the piecework well, wage. The court, the court mm-hmm. cases that were fought earlier, previously, Diltz versus Penske, Campbell versus Vitrin. These were interstate carriers operating in California. These drivers were California-based. They were, you know, domiciled state of California, intrastate drivers. And they were the ones who originally took these cases to the court in California, which ended up in uh, the 9th District, where the 9th District said, no, no, no. Uh, This is several steps removed from what Congress intended. The states have the power to establish things such as a minimum wage. So this right. is this is beyond the power of the states. The power of the states have rights to do certain things, and this is many steps removed 
from what Congress intended. So well, that's now just we it. find it, ourselves it, in it a had, place it, where the ATA, the only thing they can do is affect federal labor code. They've tried to affect California. Now they want a federal labor law specific to drivers operating under Part 395. And this would be a total federal preemption of states' rights. So, And the irony behind it is that uh, most truckers, most Republicans, I mean, most people are, are ver- just very much against um, the federal government overriding states' rights. So it, the, the irony behind it is, is just unbelievable. And I don't, you know, I'm not really sure. I know a lot of people have been calling in once they get it, but I'm not really sure if they understand the seriousness of it. Um, how or everybody who's you know thinking, okay, we need to do something about wages, and uh, we need to modernize them and change them, and now that we have ELDs, we can keep track, and you know <laughs> that would just say, hey, we we really don't have to legally. Uh, according to the FAA, pay you for anything more than what you drive. And now that they're trying to get 18-year-olds in there, right, and you just tell them, hey, you only get paid miles driven. No, you were at the dock 10 hours? No, that's too bad. Let me uh, let me open up the line. We've got a couple more hands up here because it is open forum. We'll just get everybody on and uh, listen in and kind of jump in when they like. Uh, area code... Uh, out of Tennessee, 901. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, uh, this is Jerry. <clears throat> hey, Could Jerry. Post uh, on me a little bit. I'm about to back into a spot here. So okay. I need to kind of focus. Yeah, so, go ahead. Uh, pass me up for right now. Yeah. Okay. We'll do. I'll check back with you in a little right. bit. And uh, let's go to, uh, let's get, oh, a bunch of them jumping up here. Uh, let, we'll just get everybody on here since it's open forum. Uh, area code out of California, area code 661, who we have here? Uh, this is Rob Stevens. How you doing? I'm good. Good. I'll leave your mic open, and let's go to uh, Arkansas, area code 479, who we have? Les Willis. Hey, hey Les. How you doing? doing All right. Good. We've got, uh, okay, we've got uh, Pat, Jerry, and uh, let's see, I didn't get the... Uh, Ron Stevenson, is it? Rob. Rob, Rob Stevens. Rob, Rob Stevens. Yes. Well, I was almost there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rob. almost there. <laughs> okay, Pat, um, Jerry. Well, well, we'll get back with Jerry. Pat, Jerry, Rod, and uh, and Les. Les. Okay. Oh, oh, hold on here. Let me make sure this is uh, uh, area code eight seven zero. Do I have that right? Out of Ontario. Eight seven zero out of Arkansas. Oh, where did I come up I with that? It. Okay. I know, of, yeah. yeah, I know that voice. <laughs> okay, go ahead, everybody. Listen, this open forum. Uh, Pat, we'll go ahead and let you finish, but everybody else, your mics are open. I'll check back with Jerry in a little bit. Just kind of uh, be polite, jump in when you like, and just, uh, like I said, open forum. Go ahead, Pat. Finish your thoughts there. I think at some point we've got to start – coming up with a strategy to attack this from from the point or from the from the place where we're ultimately going to end up. If they get this through and they're throwing lots and lots of money at it, what is our next step? 
Well, we've got to fight it law with law. That's the only choice we have. So we've got to start crafting and building a court case that can be presented to bring things back into balance. Well, we're not ready to put up that. You're absolutely right. You always have to have a plan. Not ready to put that white flag up yet. So um, uh, <laughs> we're going to – Alan's getting ready. He was starting to write a post. It's going to be going up tomorrow. And uh, we'll, hopefully we'll get everybody to uh, share it and be a part of it. So, But you're absolutely right. Should it happen – there does does need to be a plan, but anyway. So, um, Rob called in next. What? Yeah, just go ahead, just Rob. Uh, and you know, like I said, everybody, your mics are still open. But uh, Rob, go ahead. All right. Well, I don't know if you guys know. Two weeks ago, Monday Information had a little camping trip in D.C. Well, me yeah. and my group that went to D.C. Uh, we actually had a meeting with the Board of Labor, the U.S. Board of Labor. We met with the liaison of the White House of the Department of Labor. And the meeting that we had, because I'm a truck driver, I run out of California. I'm based out of California. And I'm not a company driver. I'm an owner-operator. But still, besides the point, you know, we all know how that system works. The owner-operator gets screwed in the end by the shipper or the receiver by getting held up. Well, the guy that we spoke to was absolutely clueless about truck drivers not being as a skilled laborer. Do you guys know anything of that nature? VFL, yeah. Yeah, and I know Les Willis is on, and he knows a lot about it. Right. Well, the guy, I think I got his business card. Hold on just a second. Let me grab it really quick so that way I got his name right. I want to ask you, Rob. Go ahead. I want to ask you, Rob, how would changing our status from semi-skilled labor to skilled labor give us an advantage in the pay category? There's only one law, the federal minimum wage law, that applies to everybody unless state law supersedes it by increasing that minimum wage. I think you've got to look at the downfalls. The downfalls, if we seek something that Really, we're not entitled to. I can't see how we're entitled to being classified as skilled labor. When you understand well, how these uh, are these these levels are assessed, we are a category four un, uh, semi-skilled labor per the uh, directory, DOT directory of titles. Okay. Right. So you got to look at you really got to look at immigration law here. The HB, I believe it's HB2 or HB2 and HB1 visas. HB1 is for professionals. Right. Right. See how this reclassification will actually harm us. I'm a journeyman carpenter. I'm I'm a level four semi-skilled laborer, blue-collar worker. Right. So is a plumber. So is a driver. Okay? I don't think we need to complain about that. Well, no, see, here's the thing. Uh, the guy I spoke okay. to was Brian Anderson, okay? Now, from the point of the money part of it, yes, I understand exactly what you're saying on, you know, it could be a big downfall. But to become a, a level four journeyman like you are, Carpenter, you had to go through a training course, correct? Just I like had four years of apprenticeship. Just, right. But yep. now, 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 hold on. 
Now, if you look at the at the actual rules and regulations that we have for training, there are none. Yes, in 2020, the FMCSA came out. Uh, it's going to be coming out in 2020. You have to have two years of over-the-road experience to become an actual trainer. But there's still no classification or rules or guidelines that they have to follow because we fall under an unskilled labor. So there is no classifications or guidelines that they have to follow in the training aspect of the industry. That's, well, that's been know, a problem it's, for it's years, got, Rob. Yes, I understand <clears throat> that. But, see, we've never been actually classified as a skilled labor to where they can write guidelines and write rules and regulations for it. It's basically driving is driving. But for me, you know, I've been out here for 12 years. I'm not saying that I know it all, but I did training for Central Refrigerated. I did it for four years. And there are literally no regulations or guidelines that you have to follow. It's basically throw a guy in the seat, teach him how to fill the paperwork out, and drive. When there's hey, no regulations at all. You were a team operation, and you got paid the the miles your so-called so-called student drove. So there was incentive there for you to be a trainer. You needed the money because you have bills to pay. We understand the system's being gamed. How is it going right. to be gamed if we go with uh, being reclassified as skilled labor? I think you've got to understand how the classification classification process is 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 conducted or where where classification is derived from to begin with. And by the way, make sure you get my phone number and we can talk in great detail about this and I can send you lots and lots of information. Hey, let me Right. Uh, well, that that yeah, go ahead. Let, yeah, just let me jump in here real quick because this uh skill and unskilled and then I got to get um caller from uh, Alabama on they've been holding here but I wrote a post on March 17th, 2010 on com. It's called Professional Truck Driving Requires No Skill. So if you just Google Trucker, Professional Truck Driving Requires No Skill, you'll see that blog, and I get into the uh, facts of skill versus unskilled, and uh, I get in. Into, into several things, according to U.S. Census data and, and everything else, but that might be uh, something anyone listening uh, might want to look up. Uh, I'm, I'm defining professional, I'm, I'm defining unskilled, and what it all means. But but anyway, professional truck driving requires no skill on com. That's just uh, something I'll, I'll throw out there. Let me open up, uh, my, and we'll keep it going, open up the mic uh, uh Alabama, area code 205, who we have here. Hey there, man. This is Brandon from uh, Bell City, Alabama. How are you? I'm good, Brandon. How are you? Okay, you're, you're, uh, everyone's mic's still open. I think Jerry's probably back with us here. Uh, Jerry, are yes. you back with us now? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, All hey, right. Under skilled so, and unskilled thing, uh-huh. I'm third generation, a lot of pride here. <clears throat> By the way, the Teamsters taught me years ago, and by the way, the Teamsters did some beneficial things. Uh, everything we don't have today, we used to have on a union job, so I'll make that quick. Uh, same thing, I thought, why aren't we skilled? They explained it to me very quickly why we don't want that. As was discussed before, the immigration thing. 
if we become skilled labor, the American trucking industry can go overseas because we have a shortage of skilled help and begin to flood the marketplace with immigrant drivers and your pay goes to nothing. Don't ever want us. Now, as far as pride goes, we have to know it among ourselves. But as far as immigration goes and the industry, and by the way, behind the scenes, the trucking industry does fight. That's the ATA people. Get me? They do want that because they do want to flood the market with foreign drivers. They tried it about 20 years ago. What? Well, it would be even more. It would be even more. And by the way, this has not, not previously happened. There are big trucking companies out here that got in a whole lot of trouble for bringing drivers in illegally from Australia, Ireland, Great Britain, and other areas. They already tried it, and they got themselves in a whole lot of trouble because it violated immigration policy. So they had to send them back. You don't want one more driver in the marketplace than we have to have. And believe me, when they thought they were going to get away with it, big carriers, MS Carriers, Memphis, Tennessee, which is now Swift, was setting up to run charter airplane flights between Puerto Rico and the mainland, loaded both ways, going home for the weekends and bringing them over. And they were working for less than Mexican wages. Okay. Well, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, sir, but um, but uh, I know just now I'm an owner-operator. Uh, I've noticed here in the last couple of years, you know, uh, I, go, I go in these truck stops and uh, you go in there and sit down to eat. And, uh, man, uh, it seems like over half the people in there are foreigners. You know, they're either uh, sound, listening to them speak of some Russian descent or, or Indian Punjabi, whatever they call themselves. And uh, or, or Mexican, and, and and the thing that uh, kind of blows my mind is, um, man, to, uh, to 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 function properly out here on this interstate. I mean, uh, man, I'll, I'll see how these guys. I'll see how it's safe to have these guys in these vehicles. I mean, this is an eighty thousand pound uh, death missile, and uh, these guys can't even speak English. So I know good and well they're not reading reading the road signs. Uh, I, I I do not know how they were right. allowed to think get a CDA. Think about. Think about this. Do you want it to be ten times worse? Oh, I, I understand totally. I understand totally. But now, on, on these issues of the ELD plus this law they're trying to shove on us now, uh, I, 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 I've, I've got on the little websites. So I've watched little uh, protest programs and things that's been going on. And it seems to me that that, that, that tweeting these congressmen and senators and the House and and, and and the calling and the it just, to me it just seems where it hasn't really gotten anywhere and well, I don't well, see let, really where it is. Can can I uh, can I say something, Rob? Yes, ma'am. Rob, yes, ma'am. Yeah, let me yes, just ma'am. say something. They have tried five other times before on this particular amendment. On this amendment, it does work because the lines were flooded, and the amendment was thrown out. Okay, there were yes, certain. Congressmen and senators offhand, I know Peter DeFazio in Oregon fought it hard and had it thrown out in a previous FAA bill. Um, Barbara Boxer, who's not there anymore, she had it thrown out in, um, I believe it was the FUD bill, but I'm not 100% sure. It could have been the, um, 
highway transportation bill in 2015. What I'm saying is a lot of these people are absolutely appalled by it when they're explained what it is. So when this bill goes up for vote this week, if, if we don't make the call and explain to our own congressmen and senators um, what exactly it does, they can't, they can't protest it because they, they're not even sure. There's two, like 200 amendments in there. And if there's nobody who's calling in to complain, if they all of a yes, sudden ma'am. get a bunch of phone calls from one certain amendment like they have in the past, now it puts up a red flag. Okay, um, I know the California senator is also aware of this. Um, uh, what's her name? I forgot her name now. Uh, Harris. Okay, she's Harris. aware of it. Yeah. Yes, Kamala Harris. Hey, hey Donna. Donna, yes. can I answer his question on this? Yeah. I'm an owner-operator, too, young fellow. I've been out here 52 years. I'm third generation. Okay. I even run yes, on my sir, own my hands off. Okay. My hands now, off. wait a minute. Uh, you know, I really, that's Okay. Let me tell you what was quoted in Transport Topics. Transport Topics is like the Wall Street Journal of the trucking industry. Two or three months ago, uh, Chris Spears, which is the president or the CEO of the ATA, this is a quote. He he quoted that twice uh, on this Denim Amendment, we have twice been thwarted by a fractured group of truck drivers. That's what they're calling us. We, yeah, we are. That's right. It's in black and white. It's in black and white. If you find the articles in there, our efforts have been twice thwarted by a fractured group of truck drivers. We are the fractured group. So calling does work. We succeeded at least twice on this. Yes. On this one, it does, Rob. On this one, it does. Yeah. uh, honestly, I, I, I'm not for sure of the bill that you guys are speaking of because I I've really, like, literally, I just got off Facebook and I was off for two weeks after I left D.C. I was just like, I, I need a break. So I, I really don't know which bill you guys are speaking okay. of, and I didn't catch the beginning of the show. So. Oh, okay. Well, you can listen uh, to the replay and, and can... listen to Alan's thing, but it's the FAA reauthorization bill, and it's it's referred to as H.R. 4. FAA reauthorization bill, and it is okay. the Denim Amendment. And and if you go to askthetrucker.com, it's the feature okay. article. It'll explain it. Okay, yeah. Now, now, once I get that information, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm just basically what I learned from when I went into D.C., basically, and spoke to the U.S. Labor Board. And, you know, now that there's more information coming out, because honestly mm-hmm. – I haven't really kept track of what goes on on the labor side of it because I already knew as myself there's not really much skill to this job. There's not. I mean, it's driving, knowing how to back and how to do your paperwork, and knowing the rules and regulation of the industry. So I, I there there are somewhat of a skill to it, but not so much that, like, you know, but basically the reason why we went in and spoke to them was because Basically, we looked at it as, you know, a doctor, plumber, welder, every, they're all a basic skill. So basically, they have, were able to write rules and regulations for it. 
but I never really looked at the downside of it with the money aspect mm-hmm. of it. So, uh, forgive okay, me if I was I, wrong. I, I mean, I would like, I would like to commend you for your effort. My, I applaud you, sir. I, I think yeah. it's wonderful what you have done. And um, I want to welcome you to join our team as we brainstorm and, and, and really try to understand what the consequences will be should we pursue certain types of legislation. I mean, right. if we're not able to understand and explain it to our peers, the ATA right. indeed represents the trucking industry, and that's not what we want. Well, so I actually, you, I, I can actually say I sat down with the ATA as well, and basically what we got from them is, you know, uh, we butted head on a lot of things. Like I don't know if you guys seen, but there's new mirrors coming out that are cameras, which is just yeah. another distraction for the driver in the truck, which we don't need. You know, and I looked right at the guy. I can't remember his name, but I, I could call my buddy that was there with me, and he can give me the name. But basically, I looked at it and said, that's, that's retarded. That's redundant. You guys are already complaining about people driving with cell phones and watching movies driving down the road. Now you want to put a camera to where the guy can look out instead of looking out the mirror like he normally does? You want to put a, a TV on the dash? I just don't see it working. But basically, yeah. uh, I, I honestly, I'll tell you exactly who I am. My name is Rob Stevens, and I've been working with United Drivers Association. We have a lobbyist. And basically, we're working with another group called 120 Maps. It's a uh, it's a ELD map corporation, but basically, they have a bunch of people that you know they use their maps and their members. They give you discounts, blah blah blah. Right. Um, 120. I know 120, and I know the people in this yeah. 120. Yeah. Oh, so you know Lisa and Lee? Um, is that the one? Us. Is that the one with Christian? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Christian. Yeah, yeah. They're, they they own 120 Trucking. That they were okay. there in the meetings with us. Yeah. Okay. But basically, what we're trying to do is uh, we're working on basically taking OIDA out to actually give drivers a voice again, to where we can basically stand up like we used to with a backbone and not have to worry about anybody coming in and trying to buy anything or buy anybody out because it's going to be a non-profit. Okay. Well, and so I'm, with that's, you, sir. I'm, I'm with this guy uh, kind of on the same uh, line of what he's talking about. Uh, that, that That's the thing. I wonder when we're all going to stand up as brothers and sisters of this industry and say, we've had enough. We're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. We're going to Who is this speaking? Things. Who is this? This is Brandon. 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 Oh. Okay, yeah. Brandon. Yeah. Well, that's well. Thing. You're right. Uh, to be uh, to be honest, on Brandon, and in all reality, and this is coming from the heart, it'll never happen for one reason. It's too much of a pissing contest. Excuse my language. Mhm. It, it well, truly, <laughs> honestly, is. I mean, you can get on Facebook right now. You can look up. Monday information. You can look up the official United Drivers Association. You can look up, uh, oh, God, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I, On my Facebook, my personal Facebook that I have, I'm probably in 96 trucking groups that are all trying to lead to the same place, 
but don't want to go and work with anybody. They just want to do it their way. So, I mean, it's it's really it's so hard because you have a lot of egos and you have a lot of pride out here. So right. it, it would be great, honestly, it would be honestly, truly great to see truck drivers come together, put the egos aside, but honestly, I don't think it ever happen. Well, you know, well, I'm that's why been, uh, just, okay. been, been, I'm just as you're talking about all the uh, uh, the different groups, you know, fighting for trying, trying, trying to come together for the issues we have. And uh, one statement gets made by one driver, and all you see is 900 other posts beneath it. This one calling this one the idiot. This one calling right, this one the double. Right, uh, right, exactly right. Different words, mostly a lot of cursing, like I'm not going to do on the radio. But uh, but the thing about it is, is man, we got to get back to the basics of it, man. We're brothers out here. I mean, you, you remember the days when 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 a man would break down on the side of the road, and there would be three other trucks pulling behind him, and everybody'd be turning wrenches to get that man back on the road. That's yes, well, you're absolutely right. So, I'm third generation, right. so I've seen it. You know, I've been in the, the basically in the industry since I was in diapers. So, and and who is know, this? I, 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 go, go ahead. I I couldn't I couldn't I'm yeah, trying to get all the voices with a name. <laughs> I was going to try to. I keep losing Idella. Maybe Idella can call back. But Les, uh, have I can't keep everybody straight. Les, have you uh, you jump in here and share some of your thoughts? Um, you know, we're talking about the semi-skilled and skilled labor. And, you know, um, Jerry and Pat both bring up great, great uh, arguments on that. And one thing that I would say um, in response to that is, have you hired an electrician lately? Have you hired a plumber lately? I did. It's a lot of lately? money. A lot. I yeah. hired both of them. So, you know, I, there is some validity to their argument, no doubt. Um, but right. uh, there's also the validity of hire a plumber, hire an electrician, see what see what that costs you. Um, right. The other thing is, is if you really look at this thing, you know, A and B truck trucking company out of uh, California really has um, spent, um, according to an article by the Mercury News, and I think the author's the author's name was um, Casey Tolan. He's with the Bay Area News Group. <clears throat> he basically has stated that uh, the president, uh, and I can't pronounce the guy's name, but it's Bill, A-B-O-U-D-I. He's the president of A-B Trucking out in California. Um, he was based at the Port of Oakland. And he's basically spent $200,000 a year in legal fees in appeals and settlement negotiations. And this article was back in 2017. It also stated in the article that Denim has been handsomely rewarded from the truck oh, yeah. industry. Yep. Um, yeah. If you look at uh, what he has taken in, 38, and this is in uh, mid-July of 2017, $38,500 from political action committees that are associated with the American Trucking Association. And he has also taken in $193,000 from the trucking industry. And this is all um, data that's at um, Open Secrets. That's so right. That right. data is readily available for anybody to look at. So you follow the money, you see what's going on. Um, 
this is you know, and that's since 2010. That's how much money that's that uh, Mr. Denham has taken in. Uh, and he's the one that, that keeps putting this amendment into uh, these bills. And why is the ATA spending so much money to make sure drivers aren't paid? I mean, it, it's just incredible. If this doesn't make everybody's blood boil and, and want to call up their reps tomorrow, I don't know what else will, Les. Or on Monday. Yeah. On Monday. Hey, can I jump in here for a second? I heard a discussion. This is Jerry. I heard a discussion the other day, and this is why another reason why we really want to call in. The discussion kind of went like this. Denim has lost this so many times now that if he loses it again, Denim may become very insignificant in the House. I guess if you, yeah, you know, when you think about it, He's played this game, played this game, so now he's losing credibility. And I don't know where I heard this, but it was on a program that, wow, they're going to look at how many times has he lost this already. So this may well, be we his could, end, too. Well, the I, only thing Jerry, I can say is, Jerry and everybody, that the only thing that's going to save this again this time and to defeat it for the sixth time will be – a uh, huge pouring in uh, on the on the Washington lines of everybody awesome. to create awareness. I mean, it's just going to have to be a lot of people calling in, and you can't just not do it. Because, I mean, I called myself last week um, as soon as I found out, even though they weren't in my area code. I mean, I just didn't call my own people. I called California people, Oregon people, you know, whoever – whoever I felt would stand up on that floor because they'd be angry at the um at the greed behind this bill. And that's how it's it's been saved before. Yeah, I was gonna say and and the the losses have come from the callers. We've seen that. Uh Denham's reputation is falling because of the of the calls. So and again, mm-hmm. Donna, Monday Monday's the last day, so and the ATA, again, as I, I said this in the opening show, the ATA is very confident it's going to go through because they slipped it in over a weekend and drivers aren't paying any attention. So our job tonight is to try to regather that attention and get those phone calls uh, going Monday, Donna. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of drivers. I, we see it on Facebook who are joining in. They're sharing, they're calling, but it's going to have to take a huge outpouring yep. of this and if they talk about it on Sirius Radio call in call in talk about it Nana who's the uh, who's the congressman in Oregon is very pro uh, trucker DeFazio Peter DeFazio Peter DeFazio okay I have his number That's right another here. one guys you know yeah, okay I have Peter he's, DeFazio's he's very pro number truck. Yeah and by hey, the way Barbara. Peter DeFazio is the one that actually wanted to pass start legislation requiring that truck drivers get paid. He might be a good one to hammer on Monday because he may know others. If you go back and look at DeFazio three, four, five years ago, that's when his name started popping up over this unpaid detention time. Yeah. Alan, do you remember when he put a thing in for drivers to get paid for detention time? Mm -hmm. But it kind of fizzled, and I can understand why, because – 
uh, to get paid for detention time, it can't be a minimum wage. It has to be a formula of some kind yeah. of what you're making uh, on the average of your um, miles driven. So it kind of fell apart because it was like $10 an hour, and there's people making more for detention time who are paid, owner-operators and things like that. And, you know, it, it w- but he, he was on the right track. The formula was Yeah, he understands the was. problem. He understands right. the problem, yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd be a good right. one to call a lot. And while well, we're talking I, about that, this, go ahead. I'm I was just, sorry. I, I, oh, that's okay. I was just going to say real quick as we're talking about numbers to call, the the main number to contact your reps is 202-224-3121. And, Donna, did you have DeFazio's number? Oh, yeah. If, if anybody wants to call, I'll repeat those later. it's um, 202-225-4472. And that's the um, transportation and infrastructure. That's where they directed me to. Uh, when I called to call that number. And DeFazio's main number is 202-225-6416. Kamala Harris in California, and if you're writing these numbers down, is 202-224-3553. And I also went on her website. It's 202 Two two four, three five five three. That's Kamala Harris, and I went to her website and actually wrote a letter to her because she has an area, and also called in and left a message. And she said, you know, please leave the message. We check them regularly, and we're very interested. So I left a message and a um, and a letter, and of course I, the local people over here. Um, they answered, so I got to talk to them. But anyway, the point is, you want to call, I mean, the 202 number is great, the main switchboard, 224-3121. But what they do is they ask you for your um, zip code. So they directly uh, put you into your uh, your representative. That's how it works. If you want to call all the representatives, there's a link on the Ask the Trucker blog, and it has the link to all the senators and congressmen, and it's on that blog post, the featured blog post, uh, called Denim Amendment Against Truckers Slipped In at the 2018 FA Reauthorize- Reauthorization Bill at the 11th Hour. So um, that's at the bottom with those links to all the senators. Right. So, you know, you can find all this stuff yourself on Google. I mean, you know, you don't have to go to that article, although I do recommend you read the article and get a better understanding of um, what's going on. But it's kind of like a do or die, like this weekend, um, you know, for all of us. So it is. So uh, anyway, whoever. I got to go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, Basically, the. I'm going to find out on Monday because I have the vice president's card from the ATA exactly what's what and what they're really pushing. Uh, but I'm going to also look up the bill that you guys are talking about. And then, uh, like I said, uh, I, I've been working with a lot of different groups. So a lot of people do kind of 
hear what I have to say and what the information that I do put out. Uh, but the guy I talked to at the ATA was Michael Charisma, the president, mm-hmm. vice president of safety policy, connection, and technology. So, okay, I, I honestly I didn't know I didn't know about a new bill that came out, but honestly, I, I I'm probably gonna start googling it here in a minute just so that way I can get it out there and basically get people to understand what's really going on. I I don't know anything about the bill. I've never even heard about the bill. I've never Go to really ask got the into, trucker. No, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, but basically, I I haven't been in this fight at all. I was just a normal, typical driver. Didn't give two rats' ass until the final ELD mandate came, and then I found out about Operation Black and Blue, blah, 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 which that turned into whatever it turned into, and basically been trying to work different angles. And, and like the driver said, that you know it'd be nice to see the industry to come together it would take every person to put their ego to side to do it. And right. they're right now they're in the works of trying to do a independence day run. Basically uh, they're trying to get media coverage because we were told, I was even told by media truck drivers are not newsworthy. Right. I've so, heard that. Yeah. Yep. Well, I've been it's published true. in the wall street journal, by the way. Well, me too. That's great. Let, let, me, let, me, I mean, let me share something with you, young fellow. I'm about 72 years old. Hopefully I've gained some wisdom. Uh, we can't say, you cannot say that truck drivers will never stick together. Uh, we did have the Teamsters Union one time. They fought among right. themselves. I know that. 40 years in the Teamsters. They really had trouble with the Teamsters. They really didn't get along with them well. But despite all right. their differences, they stood together enough. So now we can't say we can't do it. And by the way, the uh, never, as an old man, let me pass this down to you in just general. Never say never. Here's the way I see it. Out here somewhere, and I thought it was going to be the ELD, actually. There's going to be a series of events or things that will happen that will be, I like all these groups. There's 90-something groups, that's good. I don't even care if they fight among themselves. Somewhere out here, there's going to be such an egregious act, and there is history to this, such an egregious act, despite our differences, and in this, a leader will develop. We don't even know who he is. A leader will develop, and we'll follow him the hell and back and not ask, ask where he's going. You know what the famous event was during the Great Depression that drove the scattered group known as the Teamsters, who couldn't even get along with themselves, and go on air. Michael, uh, a friend of mine the other day found this. Go on the Google and go to the Great Kroger Strike in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where management shot two of the drivers to death in the street in public. Shot the drivers cold-blooded, the goons. That, that was the event that drove all the scattered teamsters thing together. Management shooting the people to death in the street, in a public street. So I'm glad there's 90 groups out here because that's 90 that when the right circumstance develops, and I believe it will. It did with the black people. Martin Luther King, John L. Lewis, the leader of the coal miners. What's his name? I can't think of the leader of the auto workers. Jimmy Hoffa. 
certain things boiled over and it happened. Right. Well, and, and that's true. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I can see your point, and that's that's highly possible. I still, I'm, I still see it being very tough, like Rob's saying, with this industry, with the with the yeah, new breed yeah. that's coming in. And again, the the mm-hmm. the wise veteran wisdom veterans like you, Jerry, many of them are dropping out because they've said, okay, I've had enough. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I can see yeah. a leader coming along. You know, I don't know who it is, but I. I see it being tough because the many of the veterans like you are dropping out, and we've got this new breed coming in who, quite frankly, many of them just don't care. Well, we've got – hey, hey. And they're it's in the, the other part. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Hey, let me try to get uh, – I think this is Idella again. She's been on and off, on and off, on and off. I want to try to get her in here. Uh, Idella, are, are you back with us? Yes, sir, I am. Well, you, I kept losing you, and you didn't have your hand up, but I know you did before. I wanted you to give you an opportunity to to speak your mind here. I know you always have something to say. <laughs> right or wrong, right? <laughs> and and I, I mean uh, that in a good I mean that in a good way. <laughs> well, we we've got to fight this tooth and nail, and and. Uh, I'm not showing agreement that the new breed don't care. Uh, okay. I think it's up to us to make them care, make them understand, figure out a way mm-hmm. to make them understand and make them care. I, I've got one right now that I'm raising, and, and it, when I'm gone, he's going to be right in there behind me. Hanson's not going to die out. We're going to be fighting tooth and nail. Uh, if I were, and I can't, I can't compete with these guys that are talking. Uh, I don't have the education or the knowledge. But if I were back doing secretary work, going into the office, and I sat down at the desk, and because my boss wasn't ready for two hours, would I just sit there and not get paid for two hours? Of course not. Of right. course not. Why would I do that in my job? Right. Right. Why would I sit there eight hours and not get paid? Why? I don't understand how people say, well, you know, that's part of the job. No, it's not part of the job. I'm sorry. It's well, well, you know, year, years ago, and th- this is what I've heard, and, and you guys, you know, tell me if this is correct. The cents per mile, they a- they say they averaged in the waiting time and everything because of the high cents per mile or the fair cents per mile that was being paid. And this, say, going back in the 80s. Well, now... You're still making the same money as the 80s. A lot of cents per mile uh, is is the same. And people people now coming in. I mean, it's not unusual to make in the 20s. You know, when they're first coming on cents per mile. So it doesn't hold water anymore. So 35, 40 cents a mile in the 80s is is 90 something cents a mile in the uh, it, right now for today for today exactly so can I, I jump in it, here i got the exact numbers on that by the way i know i and i know and you I, do we talked about it before on yeah, another show yeah yeah it, okay well, here you go amazing? Nin- 1978 and it was a teamster national master freight agreement so you can understand that nearly 500 trucking companies according to the media 
food to 87% of the regulated goods. They're all under the same union contract. No matter who you work for nationwide, we're all paid the same. So here we go. It was 23.425 cents per mile in 1978. And then we got 9.78 an hour for any kind of non-driving duties, fuel time, drop and hook, repair, chain time, delay time in storms. In 1982, it was 32 and a quarter cents a mile and 13.15 an hour. Anybody listening, if they want to do that, you go to CPI, Consumer Price, Set, Consumer Price Index, Inflation Calculator, 32 and a quarter cents a mile, which, by the way, earned me $53,000 in gross pay in 1982. Right. At 32 and a quarter cents a mile would be, you're right, writing around 90 cents, 86, 88. The 13.15 right. an hour would be a little over $33 an hour. The 53,000 something dollars I own in gross pay, you know, home every other day, going to work in a blue shirt and tie at a motel at the end of every trip, by the way, and outstanding benefits. That $53,000 today, look at the CPI inflation calculator would be $131,000. Now, if you think that's impossible, also go to the Department of Labor uh, something or other there and check the average annual income of an over-the-road locomotive engineer. Five years ago, that was $110,000 a year. Top pay was $125,000 a year to drive a train. Right. Well, and and you know what? They're always complaining of a driver shortage. In my opinion, if a truck driver got a job at $100,000 a year, I don't think you'd see very much turnover or or um job hopping or right? Well, they are. Oh, you're you're they, absolutely they right. In Yeah, in the, the LTL carriers. Yeah, the LTL carriers today. Most of the over-the-road drivers you see pulling the pups are anywhere from 100 to $125,000 a year, non-union even. And the turnover rate among the LTL carriers dropped from 9.7% to 8%. Right, there you they go. They do the same job we do. So they're crying about a driver shortage. They can't retain the drivers. What can we do? And now they even want to put in uh, an amendment to uh, yes, ensure to, to, that they don't have to get paid uh, for detention time. But what do they do simultaneously is put in a bill to get 18-year-olds. That's another group of drivers, uh, young, uh, you know, just happy to make hmm. 25 cents a mile and say I'm a truck driver. And that And that goes back to what, I was kind of agreeing with Rob with, and I can see Idella's point. Idella, you are, you're training this person, training them up, you know, the, the right way to, you know, to see things the way they are. My point was a lot of these veterans are, are dropping out. A lot of them are retiring. I mean, do you all know that George Jones song, Who's Going to Fill Their Shoes? Yes, yeah. sir. When all the veterans are gone, you know, you and Jerry, all of you, you know, when, when you're all gone, who's going to fill that sh- those shoes to teach these the new breed, as I say, to care? 
And that was kind of a point I was kind of getting to. It kind of reminds them up. They they think that they're doing, yeah, they think that these wages are good. And like Jerry said, in 1989, 1990, I was making 35 cents a mile and 13.50 an hour, and I didn't give them any time. When I hit the dock, Mm -hmm. I got Mm -hmm. paid. Right, right. And I was working well, in Eldorado, Arkansas. So, so where do they get this? And and do I make good money now? Yes, but not exponentially. It, it's not equal to what I made in 1990. Not right. even compared. Yeah. Not not not. No, no. We got well, to fire them up. I know. I know from my. I'm only 31 years old. I'm third generation. And I know the ins and outs. I know the paperwork side of it. I know the business aspect of it. I know the I know the driving part of it. So, for me as an owner operator, and for what I do, it's all in the contract. When you read their contract, that's the problem. People only read what they want to read, and they only hear what they want to hear. Exactly. So when you read a contract. You know, for a carrier, you know, I'm an independent. I don't consider myself a carrier. I only have one truck, one trailer, and I do my own loads. Uh, I'm dedicated Kroger. I go from the West Coast to Virginia. I deliver. I pick up a random load, go back to California, and do it all over again. Now, in the contract clause, if you look at the contract and you read through the contract, there is a spot that certainly proceeds to detention pay. It is up to the carrier or the independent to fill in the blank spots. For me, I charge $75 an hour after two hours. You have to give them a minimal. So two hours in a dock, it's two hours, it's two hours. And then after that, I charge $75 an hour for the truck. I'm a driver. I own my own truck. I drive my own truck. So out of the $75 that the company is supposed to get, I charge myself $25 an hour that I sit in the dock so that way I have a way to basically put it on paper for taxes to make everybody happy. So it's really on the company to really, the aspect of it, if you look at the contract, it's really up to the company to fill in that blank spot. They don't fill in a blank spot. The broker does not have to pay. And 90% of the companies nowadays are paying out of pocket for their driver sitting in the doors. And they give a two-hour minimum. I, I've i worked yep. for a couple of big mega carriers. You know, I worked for Fry Miller for a short period of time. I worked for Central Refrigerated. Those are the only two big companies that I've ever worked for. Other than that, I've been on my own. And I'll never go back to a company driver again because, one, company drivers don't get paid for what they're actually worth. Two, with this new tax cut that they just came out with, a company driver is getting screwed out of their per diem every day now. Well, that's if they're single. That's if they're single, Rob. If they're single, they're getting really screwed. If they're married, they get the 24000 and it's not so bad. But if they're single and they only get a $12,000, um, standard deduction. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you can get easily twenty thousand in trucking-related uh, deductions alone. Right. Let alone all the other deductions, you know, people can have. So right. it's really bad for the single driver. They're going to be paying I, in a lot of money. Yeah, I think yeah, I mean, look you look at, at it. it. 
Go ahead. I think you've got to look at it from the carrier's point of view. They're coming out wonderfully well. It's oh, yeah. a yeah. huge uh, advantage to them. This is a huge tax savings to them. Okay. And they're supposed so, to be raising the driver the wages. They're supposed to be raising driver wages because the thought was that all these corporations are going uh, to be saving mm-hmm. millions and billions of dollars. Therefore, they will pass it on to the driver. But what are they passing there's, on? There's some evidence that that's happening. But are they passing on what they can afford to pass on or just enough to keep the driver hanging on? So the latter. The drivers, the drivers are a powerful force here, um, but we're being led around by the noses. We're chasing a carrot. We don't understand what's at play. We don't understand the law. We keep fighting the wrong fight. Right. Well, you also got to look at it like this. How many of you guys out there that are probably listening to this show right now? And are an average everyday driver that work for a big corporation. You asked him, what would you do if you could do this? Well, I can't do any of that because I'm scared I'm going to lose my job. Right. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes out. Is I'm the scared paycheck to lose my job. is being held over their head. We say That's these exactly drivers right. are gutless. We say they're gutless, but you know what? They got a lot of guts. They're they're trying to feed a family. They're trying to keep the fam the wife happy. And, and, and they're right. trying to earn a living. And they have to deal with what the, the cards they've been dealt. They have a lot That's of right. guts. Maybe this is why the average driver, the average truck driving school graduate, only lasts 3.2 years. They don't right. even well, last they, they, that they long. They all they can. Well, well, I and here's something in here. In, in some right. ways, remember, I'm the old Teamster. But I didn't get along with Teamsters. I fought with them a lot. Nobody's telling I'm too much my own man. You see, in a way, what's going on in the industry right now is we have a strike going on. A strike is when you withhold your services. Now, what we got going on right now is the worst kind of strike for management. It's an unorganized strike. The 100% Correct. turnover is people walking the picket line. They've walked away, though. That's the difference. Seen an organized strike. That's why really management needs a union. They'd boil it down. You know, if guys fight among themselves, they'd boil it down to three or four or five different issues. Meet every year, every three years. They know who they're going to negotiate with. They know who we're going to meet with. We know where the meeting is. We know what the subject is. They negotiate it out, come to a settlement, take it back to the membership. Right now, the trucking industry, it's the worst kind of strike because they don't know who is. It'd be like it's trying to, like, negotiate with a million different chickens. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's no different. They are, when they walk off the job, they are withholding their services. It is a strike, but a strike that's organized has more power for the workers. We know that. But it's no different than management right now. They are in some type of labor withholding their services. And by the way, Bob Costello, <clears throat> the economist and the vice president of the American Trucking Association in print again, you know, I am Madonna, stated here recently he expects the turnover to worsen 
and the turnover problem for the, the driver problem looks grim for the next eight years. Well, yeah, because they don't want to. They don't want to pay. Uh, do what it takes, right. like you said. The LTL, what is it, eight percent turnover, and they're making a yeah, hundred grand a year. Okay, yeah. that's the why. Driver shortage has been ongoing for thirty years. Why? Yep. If we flood the market with drivers, wages are low. It's cheap to haul freight. Rates are low. Okay, oversupply. Um, Obviously, and what is it? The yeah. ATA represents shippers and receivers. They want a capacity. They want they want the market to have overcapacity, and they're going to try and feed sure. that to satisfy their members, keep the rates low. We always have seen highs and lows. This high that we're on now is going to drop. It's going to go away. Um, yep. And we're going to go into a low period. Uh, this is the history. We do not have any standards in place that kind of um, balance these highs and lows. I think we can go to law and establish standards, and and now everybody's happy. I can start an 18-year-old at $60,000 a year, okay, um, realistically by working off of the minimum wage, the only wage standard in place, okay, um, why would a kid be, be uh, you know, unprofessional and unsafe and, and, and forfeit that kind of money? But what would that kid have to do to be able to be eligible to earn that kind of money? See, there, there's a lot at play here. What kind of system do we set up? Let me show you something else in here, folks. Recently at the Chick-fil-A in Memphis or just Cordova, I'm sitting at a table, and I see four young people come in. They're all three kids. They might be college level. And one of them mentioned that over the Mm -hmm. summer, see, I don't think they're going to get as many people as they think by lowering them. Based on this, watch this. So they were discussing what they did on their summer jobs. And one kid sat there, and he says, you know, he says, I was getting 70-hour weeks. And they're all, no way, 70 hours? Yep. That's insane. The rest of them sit there just out of their minds that a person could even work 70 hours a week. The word that kept coming up was scrunched up faces. That's insane. You can't work 70 hours in a week. Do they really think they're going to get that many of the 18 to 21-year-olds? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Run well, into that every day. That will we all see what these 18 and 16, 17, you know, the Pied Pie Pod Challenge and snorting condoms and all that other good stuff that they're doing nowadays. The younger generation, younger than me, and on, in all reality, I've said it for the last five years, I'm only 31 years old. And the younger generation than me that are graduating high school and everything else are plum, stupid, and lazy, very very lazy like you said that kid said he worked 70 hours a week that kid worked his butt off every day at least 10 hours a day if he worked seven days a week he worked five that means he worked uh, 11 hours a day to 12 hours depending on what shift or whatever he was doing the 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 kids nowadays are plum lazy they'd rather sit around 
and get paid to do nothing than to actually work for something in life. So well, that's, I, I don't. That's all the the bringing up, though. I mean, it's we're we're in a different um, time. I mean, I remember I've worked since I was 11 years old because my my parents owned a business. So after school, you right. took a bus and you went to work. Okay, that's how I was brought up. And um, maybe, but now things are different because, and here's the mindset: each generation wants to make it better for their kids, and and in reality, by making it better, they've made it worse. Because that's right. I mean. I I had a checkbook at 16. I bought my own car. Uh, of course, back then a new car was twenty seven hundred dollars, but yeah. still, you know, I was making two dollars an hour, so I <laughs> saved up. But the point is, it it by making trying to make things better for your children, you're actually making it worse. And not all of right. them are lazy, because I mean, um, I raised my my kids to you know. To work, they all had three jobs during college, and um, and 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 they're happy. You know, they're glad that they had to do that because they really appreciate money. So it's really the mindset of how you're brought up. But I think there are a lot of good, hardworking um, young people, just based on oh, I'm not on my all of them. I'm, I'm but it's a gen- different stuff. generation, is what you're saying. I understand that you're right. right. You're yeah. absolutely I right. Raise, I raised my kids to be independent and self-sufficient, and I have literally beat it into my grandsons. And they're out right. here doing what I'm doing, doing the very same job I'm doing. And and so we've got four. That's a start. Yeah. yeah. That's a start. You know, well, a, very, a very good, a very good speaker on the radio on Sirius Radio the other day. He expressed the thought. We are, I started 18 driving truck in Trust State. That's an option almost all over the country. And his thought was, I thought this was pretty good. He's, you know, for the ones who are really going to do it, they're already doing it because they want to do it. They aren't going to gain that many more when they open this whole thing up. I thought that was right. an interesting statement. If they want to be truck drivers, I did too. Interest state was good enough for me until I turned 21. So the ones who are already, the the, the ATAs fool themselves here. And, and watch this. I could have gone and worked for uh, one of the big van lines. They just, got, they just left. Watch this. Well, 19 years old, had a girlfriend and everything. I could have learned the household business. And then when I went down and talked to them, and found out I'd be gone a month or six weeks at a time. I mean, I'm 18 years old. I'm pumping testosterone. My wife and I are fooling around, different generation. Well, I didn't take that job, the opportunity of a lifetime to live the household business. I went over to own a motor freight, a line hall, union job, and stayed there. Why? Because I had a girlfriend. I'm in love. How can I be in love and not be around my girlfriend for six weeks at a time and even then two days home? This isn't going right. to work. Let them have right. it. That's why the news. nothing out of it. You know, yeah, Alan, always, Alan you always say that it's, that um, instead of drivers fighting to get more hours because they're paid so little, they should be fighting for higher wages. Well, that's really mm-hmm. the the bottom line here. I mean, if if drivers were paid, let, let's just use a hundred grand as um, 
you know, a base point uh, according to rate of inflation from the 80s, okay? Mm-hmm. Would would they really be worried about that new, um, what is it, Alan, H.R. 54, 5417? 54, yeah, the H.R. 5417. Okay. And that's a way to rest because they're tired. I mean, really, they can rest now if they're tired, right? I mean, you can pull over and and rest. They don't though, because you said that. Um, well, the, well, the fourteen-hour clock is still going. So. Yeah, but if they made enough money, couldn't they stop? Yeah, yeah. I think it's all about wages. Oh, what? I don't want to work longer already... hours. I am I know, not interested in working longer hours. Right, and that's the thing and by about. Way, the... Go ahead. Uh, it isn't just a coercion and intention, uh, intimidation rule. Go back to three ninety something something, and it says, "quote." An employer shall not require or permit. Let's underline that word permit. Shall not require or permit a commercial uh, a driver to operate a commercial vehicle while ill, fatigued, or likely to be ill or fatigued. If you call right. and say, hey, I'm really tired, they aren't supposed to even let you go. So we've already been protected by laws. The but they can't the afford it. Away. Yeah. They can't yeah, afford they to can, stop right. now. That's right. Yeah, because they'll get fired, and the wife is saying, hey, you got fired again? You well, know, no, Jerry. Yeah. Jerry, it's yeah. not just that. If you're being paid 45 cents a mile, even if you're tired, you don't want to kill the 14-hour clock. Alan, you told me the other day yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened is the 14-hour clock. This fourteen, to me, in my opinion, the the fourteen hour rule is the worst thing that ever happened. It's made it totally unsafe. I mean, I think they should just go back to the way it was, uh, ten and eight. you know, ten and eight, and use that sleeper berth. I love that thing. I mean, it was the best. I I, actually, I can actually apply on that. If I'll let you finish, but I can actually tell you what they have coming in store for that. Okay, yeah, I know they're working. They're working on something on on that too. But yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, in my personal opinion, I loved it. I mean, I would, I would, I would drive five hours. I would sleep for birth four. I would drive five hours. I would sleep for birth floor four. I would drive five hours. I mean, it, it was it was the best thing to me. It wasn't anything wrong with it. It was the best way it could be, and that's how they should go yeah. back. But but yeah, go ahead. Okay. You know, um, really, we, if you're paid enough for everything you do, any of these systems would work. It all comes down to right. what you're being paid for and how much. The 8, right. 10, the 14, any, a 40-hour week. There are people, believe it or not, that make a decent living on 40 hours a week. Right. Right, and that's why but we say I think a lot of drivers higher are wage are fighting for the wrong thing. And I think it's, yeah. it's the wages they need to be focused on. But, uh, Rob, go ahead. What were you going to say? Okay. Now, I went into a meeting into the U.S. DOT department with the head of the DOT, the liaison to the DOT to the White House, and uh, got a lot of noise of in the background from somebody. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, they are working actually on a split sleeper birth pilot program. Right. Uh, you can look on the FMCSA website. They have five drivers doing the program right now, which makes absolutely no sense. Is what we told them is, is why do you guys continue to use the same five guys? 
There's 3.5 yeah. million drivers in this industry. Okay, that's just numbers. You know, 3.5 million, and you're using five guys. Why not? Well, they put they put, put up a thing, and they asked people to to join or to oh, sign up. Maybe nobody signed up. Right. That's that's hold on. That's what I was leading to. Then he presented to say for us to do a pilot program, which they we presented them with a pilot program. Uh, we're waiting for the 90-day period for it to go through the committees, blah, 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 to get the yes or no. Uh, basically, what they told us is the pilot program that they started out with is they picked out five drivers across the nation to do the old 8 and 10, but right. switched it up to make it to where it's 12 and 10. 12 hours of driving, 10 hours of sleep at birth, but you can split it up any way you want to does not have to be consecutive hours at all if you drove five hours and slept three hours and then drove another five hours and slept ten hours whatever it basically it would be it would stop the 14-hour clock and they basically what they're trying to do is figure out which way is the best way to do it now they also said to come back on their comment periods when the FMCSA put the comment period on it. Uh, like when they came up with the LD comment period, the hours of service comment period. The average comment period that they get is 30 days, and the the average comments they get is about 4,000 comments. Now there's 3.5 million drivers out there. Right. Out of yeah. 3.5 million drivers, 4,000 drivers decided to say, yeah. And then they even showed us some of the comments that they got, like the ELD uh, comment period. Most of the comments that were given was the ELD sucks and it's not going to work. Right, right. How far do you think that's going to go with a politician? That don't mean jack to them. So they basically said for when they got a comment period coming up, if people would actually put real terminology behind Right. Their question to or their answer, they can actually start helping with inside the industry. So, but it, there are a lot of people that, that do write good yeah, comments because we've read them. Oh, yes, I understand. I'm not saying that there's not. I'm just saying from the comment period, what they do, what you know, what they showed us, the ELD sucks and get rid of it. Right, that's right. not going to work in a Congress. That's not right work. Now. We. Yeah, We've that, gone through that before with Richard Wilson, Donna, where he's he's tried to explain this is how you write a comment. Right, right. But anyway, go ahead. I, I, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to write anything. I'm telling you guys right now, I, I'm just an average truck driver just out here trying to survive just like the rest of us. Well, not, well that's why I'm we got to all I'm call not, in tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to. <laughs> I will, I, I, like I said, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up the bill. I'm driving right now. I don't I don't really mess with my phone too much while I'm driving, you know. Right. Every now right. and then, yeah, you know, but uh In that blog post, Rob? In yeah. that blog post is links to the bill itself. Yeah. And everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, well, cuz see, I we even have our own blog talk radio. I mean, we have Oh, really? Which one do you have? Gear Jammer Radio. Oh, okay. I've seen that on Facebook. Yeah, that's that's us. That, I'm part of Gear Jammer Radio. I have oh, shows okay. on Tuesdays. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, awesome. Yeah, and then of course, yeah. I mean, we. I, Basically, what we've been trying to do is give drivers a voice again, and it's really hard to pull the drivers to give them, you know, real information because the information that we were given in D.C., most of the information was told to keep under wraps until it comes out because they don't want to be overboarded. We had a meeting with Senator Ted Cruz, which actually opened a lot of doors for us, and we went to the meeting with Senator Ted Cruz, came with our our complaints, but not really a, you know, a solution to the problems, you know what I mean? Within right. the industry, within the industry, we have so many diverse problems to hours of service to pay, to training, to parking, to, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, you know, and to get real drivers, I mean, if you look at it like, uh, the guy that's been in the industry for 70 or he's 72 years old, 53. He, what if he wasn't on Facebook? He wouldn't know anything about anything unless he was what? Reading a newspaper or watching it on TV. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really takes the, the old school ways, what I call it, to actually sit down with people and have a conversation to actually get the knowledge out there and to get people to understand. And then, of course, you get your occasional truck driver. Well, I make great money. 600 bucks a week is not good money. No, not no. for 70 hours a week. You're you're making less than $10 an hour. That's exactly right. You know, that's just me. But, see, then that, that, that falls right back to the category of how hard does that driver really run to the category of how does he get dispatched to the category of how's the company booking the load. So, I mean, it's just, it's just so many different channels that you really have to go through to explain to a driver, look, just because you're just starting out, we all started somewhere, okay? I started in a seat of a 1972 cab over Freightliner with a Browning shifter at eight years old on the farm. I grew up on a farm. So, I mean, I guess that's why I have the mentality that I have nowadays about how people work. But, right. you know, that's just me. You know, not everybody has that luxury of, you know, growing up on a farm and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So it's not just necessarily – we all start somewhere. But the Well, old that's like I, Alan when know, he was I, he was brought up in the moving business. So he started driving – what, Alan, how old were you? You were working in the moving business and then driving the trucks. Oh, yeah. Well, I started when I was 10, helping, you know, I could pick up a chair or two every now and then. And then as soon as I was old enough to drive the straight trucks, I got then. So, yeah, I mean, I was in the moving business, you know, pretty much all my life, you know. And I remember the first truck, very first truck I actually owned was a 77 Kenworth cab over, and, and I loved that truck, you know. <laughs> so, but, yeah, that uh I spent most of my life in the moving business, and then I uh, made a big mistake when I went over to freight. But, but I, hey, you know, and to say, um, you know, you got to know who those good companies are. I, I, it took me years and years, but I found I found some good good motor carriers out there. I found some good companies out there, but it's just so hard. And you know, when Rob was talking about those contracts, it made me think. Uh, you know, that is such another problem for these newcomers. We've got a lot of listeners on the line tonight. If you're a newcomer to the industry, you know, Rob was saying, you know, you got to know what to uh, read in that contract. And, you know, you want, if you, because these, they, they come from these uh, schools, you know, the motor carrier training schools. And then what do many of them do? 
they tried to immediately push them into a lease owner operator deal. And right. as far as far as Which looking at those just, as as far as looking at those contracts, Rob, like you were saying, and knowing what they they don't know what questions to ask. You know, they they don't know what a contract should have for them on their benefit. So, and that's just another big problem in the industry. So, I you know I can't get started on these owner operator lease things again. But I was just thinking right. about that well, when you were talking about it. Go ahead. That's why we only well, promote. Well, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to uh, say I that's why. I, uh, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, the driver shortage is and has been a profitable business model yep. for 30 years, or yep. it would not be in existence. Think That's about right. it. They're making they would have solved it by now. It. Truck driving school, they, they purchase, get, on and on and on. Exactly. They actually get 12, the government gives them $12,000 a student. So why wouldn't they not complain about a driver shortage? If you look at the puppy mills, that's what I call Central Refrigerated, Schneider, CR England, all these big corporations that have their inciting schools, I went through it. You know what I mean? I didn't go the old-fashioned way, you know, go down and use them. I went through their training back in 07 to actually obtain my commercial driver's license. I was out driving a truck this whole, you know, years without a license with my dad and my grandpa. And then, you know, finally I turned 21, I went and got my license, and I did what I did. They beat the test into your head so that way you could pass it. Then they beat the pre-trip into your head so you could pass it. And then they don't even have an outside source to come in to do the driving test. Your instructor is your teacher, your instructor, and your drive test guy or lady. Excuse me. Mine was a woman. You know, she was in the classroom with us when we went to the classroom. She was out there with us doing the pre-trip and the whole, and you know, doing driving around the lot and back parking and alley docking and all that. And then when it came to the drive test part, she was sitting in the passenger seat with her little notepad going, okay, it looks good. Okay, it looks good. I mean, mm, as yeah. when I was a well trainer, I, basically that's all, all it is. It's a puppy mill. They get well, them they, in you there, know, they push them. And do you guys remember the lawsuit that Swift just had from the owner op or the I call them glorified yeah. truck drivers or company drivers. All they do is they make a few extra cents to pay all the bills. That's all they do. Literally. I think uh your average lease operator right now makes probably eighty nine cents a mile with twenty three to thirty six cents fuel surcharge, so probably like a dollar. Alan did a survey, and we have a new one out, and we're waiting to get the results published on it. But, Alan, you did one in 2010, your lease, right. uh, company lease purchase survey, and mm-hmm. it's up It's up on the Internet. You can look it up. If you type in Ask the Trucker Lease Purchase um, Survey, you'll, you'll okay. find it. And the failure rate is so high it's really a sim- it's a simple survey. It was only ten questions, but you get the idea. Now the next survey we did was fifty questions, and so it's taken a little longer for us to get to gather all the data and put it out in right. uh, in a form. But um, it, he's been writing about lease purchases since two thousand um, when he wrote 
the Truth About Trucking book. Anybody who wants it, just send me a private message, and I'll send it to you. Yeah, look, we're uh, time's kind of winding down here. I appreciate everybody, but listen, I'll, let's uh, give let's give everybody just like a minute uh, for a final thought here at, before we close this show out. We've got Pat, Rob, Les, Jerry, Idella, a bunch of a uh, whole bunch of listeners. Appreciate you hanging on with us. But Pat, real quick, uh, just uh, any any final thoughts, any final words for the program tonight? I'm kind of absorbing everything. Seems like we're all kind of on the same page, and I think we need to continue working in a direction that will achieve us our goal. Maybe we need to define our goal. Is it a driver problem, a driver shortage problem, or is it a pay problem? I think we can solve almost all these issues if the driver was paid properly. The ELD would no longer be an issue. Uh, The ELD could then truly be a safety tool. Okay, uh, we wouldn't need this HR 57, even the uh, split sleeper berth. That's one way of eliminating the 14-hour rule, but for who? For what caliber of driver? For what driver with what amount of experience? The driver trainers, the lease purchase programs. We could eliminate, we could fix all these problems if we just paid the drivers right. So as you know, I work on driver's pay. Yep. Right. I agree with I right. agree with you. The wages is, is the root. That's what we've been saying all along. Yep, I agree too. Rob, final thoughts? Uh, really, I, 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 there, I really don't have a final thought. I mean, in all reality, I basically laid it out there on the table. Uh, for me, like I said, I've, I've been in this industry for 12 years. I'm third generation, and a lot of it does boil down to pay. In my mind, it, it does. It does boil down to company pay. Uh, I've thought about buying more trucks, and then I thought, you know, no, not really, because then that's just more of a hassle for me. You know, uh, most people that do drive trucks, like me, I'm out here to make money. I'm not out here just to ride for free. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Uh, Les, how about you? Uh, Just, you know, I mean, this country is ruled by people who show up. You know, if you don't show up, if you don't make your voice heard, a silent voice is never heard. So get on the phone, call call your representatives, call your senators. Uh, let them understand what's going on, uh, what reality is. You know, we can debate, you know, the 10, 10 and 8 split, you know, which effectively uh, could make you work 16 hours a day instead of the 14 that you have now. Um <clears throat> We could argue all of that, but the whole bottom thing is is pay. If you pay a driver for every hour that the driver works, the marketplace will demand a certain level of compensation for it. So it's the marketplace that's going to determine what you pay, what you pay, supply and demand. So the ELD, with the advent of the ELD, which I'm firmly against because I think it's against your constitutional rights to be tracked 24 hours a day by a federal government agency. Um, With the advent of the ELD, the argument that the carriers... No, did we lose them? You still there? Les, I think we lost you. 
All right, we think I think how the dare lost, lost less. How but dare he, he hang a, up on us? <laughs> but he's still with the same thing. He's going along with the wages. Okay, Jerry, uh, final thoughts here, real quick. Yeah, uh, sure. The pay and everything. I lived through a generation where he got paid for everything. So the logbook. One of the first things I learned as a younger driver in my early twenties, the logbook is your best friend. Can you imagine that? And I'm going to cut off a bigger slice here in another direction. I don't have the answer to it, but we need to find a way of destroying the ATA. <laughs> we need to take them down from this pedestal they're on. So I encourage drivers, even down at the truck show, some drivers were bragging how they kind of pulled the people off at the MSCA. And I stood there and said, oh, big deal. So you told the government bureaucrats off, and I waved to the back. I said, there's your problem. My generation didn't go crying to the ICC. They took their grievances to the corporate front door. So if we got grievances, we got problems, we want changes, we don't go to the FMSCA. If you're going to pick it, I'm all for that. Let's pick it. Let's get a 50-truck convoy going to Arlington, Virginia, to picket the ATA. Oh, now that gets on front-page news. Truckers protesting the ATA. The ATA is our problem, folks. Don't waste your time crying about the FMSCA. Do like our fathers and grandfathers did. Pick up your damn axe handle, your cheater bar, and fight your way to the front door. The problem here is industry management, the corporate front door. That's who we need to be yelling to. Well, that's why I think if my last word's going to be to everybody to call in tomorrow, the last day to uh, tell your representatives no to the Denim Amendment in the FAA reauthorization bill, which will enable carriers to legally only pay drivers their miles driven, and, uh, and it preempts what we believe so strongly in, the state's rights, uh, especially the, the state labor laws that protect piecework wage employees from being exploited. That's my last line, last word. And the phone number for that, everybody, is 224, I'm, I'm sorry, 202-224-3121. And get on and find out all those representatives and just call them all. Uh, you can find them right on Google. All right. And uh, Idella, are you still with us? Yes, sir, I certainly am. All right, you have the last final words and thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, being 68 years old and in the industry 50 years, uh, I don't intend on retiring any time soon, and I will not go quietly into the night. I will be making them phone calls on Monday. Good. Uh, I've made the phone calls before. I will encourage all my friends to make those phone calls. And uh, I'm glad I'm on this end of the, the spectrum instead of the end that my grandson's on because, uh, you know, I'm going to pass the baton to him uh, to fight. But, you know, I've always made a good living. Trucking has been good to me. But uh, I'm not going to go quietly into the night, I promise you. I'm going kicking and screaming. 
I think we all should. I yep. think we too, and and get ten other people to make the phone. If everybody gets ten people, and we flood the lines, and the who was it, Jerry, that said disgruntled? There's a, just a few disgruntled truck drivers that are ruining the stenum going through. Um, oh, that was uh, that was uh, Chris Spears himself. Okay, so we're the disgruntled people. That we thwarted their effort. We've this. We're a fractured group of drivers that have already thwarted their attempts before. Okay, well, let's get the fracture going. Yeah. Right. They don't even know. Right. Hello? Are we losing people? No, no, we're just uh, running out of time here. But, yeah, we got to – I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to bring that up anyway. Again, to call – the whole show has been on the Denim Amendment. That should tell everybody uh, how important this – this really is. Uh, so Monday is the last day. Call me, as Donna said, 202-224-3121. Say no to the addendum amendment, to the addendum amendment. And, um, In the FAA reauthorization bill. Right. And uh, we've, we've done it before. We've done it again. Keep in mind, this is ATA's sixth time to try to slip this in. But Hey, it was a great show. I appreciate everybody calling all your all your thoughts, your wisdom, uh, and it just uh, made made for a really great show. I really uh, really enjoyed it. So we will catch you next time. Hey, we're going to do the song by uh, Bill Weaver, "I'm Rolling," and uh, you can check his site out. It looks like he was still building on it, Don. I'm not sure. BillWeaverMusic.com. That's what I thought. Let me see if I can find it. I know. Um I met him last year at Gats, and Alan, you'll get to meet him when we go this year. Um, yeah, that's another thing too. I, uh, I've always been so busy working and everything, but uh, Donna and I will be at Gats this year, so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing and meeting everybody. And uh, I looked it up as BillWeaverMusic.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's loading now, but it's oh yeah, here it is. That's it. Okay, yeah, his song is "I'm Rolling," very talented truck driver. So check it out, BillWeaver.com, BillWeaverMusic.com. His song tonight will play right after the ending here is I'm Rolling. Thanks again, everybody, for a great show. Uh, either me or Donna will see you next time on Ask the Trucker Live. was just uh, something to uh to get everybody woke up there uh i'm gonna look up here real quick i want to see something here uh we'll leave it at that thanks again everybody we'll see you next time. you've been listening to ask the trucker live with alan smith on behalf of alan and donna smith ask the trucker.com trucking social media.com north american trucking alerts.com blog talk radio and ask the trucker live i'm j michael collins Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.
backing up, loading up my old truck, roll down that road. Your picture on the dashboard, thinking about how long I'll be before I get home. Well, I set my visor for the sunrise as it burns into my eyes. And the thought of you starts burning on my mind. I'm rolling. Interstate trying to get back to you, that's why I'm rolling. It's hard work and I guarantee that it's a damn hard life, but still I'm rolling. From the first time that I shifted gears, it burned into my soul. Guess you could say that's how I like to roll. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.